Today's episode is sponsored by Beauty Counter and consultant Rosie Boone. To find out more information, head over to our Instagram or our Facebook page where you can click on a link and find out all about the safe products that Rosie offers. H&H Hour. My name is Heidi Bolt and I am one of your hosts. I'm alongside my sister and my best friend and my co-host Heather Taves. Yes. Hi Heather. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I'm excited to be back. I know. We have been like podcasting fiends this week. We have been. Yeah. This little studio has been buzzing all sorts of people. It has. I have been I have been so encouraged and inspired by God's in, just incredible stories that he writes in yes, people's lives. Yes. And you know, Heidi, the thing that I love the most is that these are very ordinary people coming in yeah. to sit across the table from us or, or on a phone call with us that get to tell these stories. And you just sit across from them and you go, these are extraordinary stories. Yes. Like the world should know your story. Yeah. And yet these people, they don't feel like there's anything that extraordinary about them. And we get to highlight that. And I love it so much. Well, and I think we keep hearing feedback from all of our listeners that as they are hearing these stories that we're telling and allowing our guests to tell, that they're starting to view their own lives through a very different lens of going, wow, okay, the things God's doing in my life, I thought they were mundane. I thought they were just very boring or ordinary, but I'm starting to realize that they're very purposeful and he's very intentional in Mm -hmm. their lives. Mm So I, I'm loving that. That that to me is why we podcast. Mm-hmm. It's why Absolutely. we do this. This so. this will make you laugh, but you know my love of the Old Testament. Yes. I was thinking the other day about just how ordinary is extraordinary. And I was thinking, you know, the Israelites probably thought that wandering around the desert was very ordinary. Like <laughs> picking manna up off of the ground every morning was ordinary. And yeah. yet here they are in the Bible for all of us to look at it and go, look at those miracles that God did and look look at what he was doing. And I think what in our lives is like that, like yeah. wandering around in the desert, maybe hopefully not out of disobedience, but um picking up manna off yeah. of the ground and we're doing something and you know years from now someone will go look at their life it was so extraordinary yeah yeah well heather i it is such a great honor to get to partner with you in this venture we're over a year in yep we're are we episode 55 or somewhere or around there in the 50s yeah. um We've done so many this week that I don't know where I know, we are. We've lost count. But um, one of my very, very favorite things is the episodes where we get to invite guests on. Yes. And um, I'm so excited for this guest that we have on today because it is such a unique. Um, it was such a unique idea. It was. It was. I just feel like totally God's idea. And um, so it kind of makes me grin to think about what is going to come out of this episode. Right. Um, and this is actually a person that I have not gotten to to hang out with, to be a part of his life for over a decade now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so listeners, I would like you to meet my friend. This is my friend, Nathan Roberts. Nate Roberts, welcome to the H&H Hour. Hey, thank you for having me so much. I'm glad to be a part of it. We're super excited to have you tonight. Um, do you mind if I kind of tell how you ended up on the H&H Hour? Go ahead. Go for it. Okay. So it's your wife's fault. everything is her fault (laughs) so you married such a sweet awesome woman of god her name is Corey, and um she and i were i don't even remember how but we were messaging one night over instagram and i said Corey, you should totally be a guest on our podcast and (laughs) she was literally like heidi i am way too shy there is no way in the world i would want to do that she said yeah but my husband should totally do it Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she, she, uh, that's, if you would have, if you would have asked me how Corey would have responded to a question like, Hey, we'd love to have to feature her on a podcast. I could have told you that that would have been the exact response. And, I, and so none of, none of this is a surprise to me. Yeah. I sort of figured that would be her response, but I thought, Hey, you might, you may as well try, you know, cause you had a, you had a plan in your back pocket the whole time. You always wanted to interview me, <laughs> but you went through, you went the route of, of Corey first knowing what the answer would be. That's so true, Nate. So true. 
So, so uh, yeah, I'm so glad she did. Uh, you know, Corey was telling me about it after you guys had chatted on Instagram, and uh, and she kind of talked about your conversation a little bit. And I was thrilled that she and you and you and you and her were able to connect. And uh, and then you know that led us to us to, to connect here. And so I'm thrilled to be here. Cool. Well, so Nate, we go way back. Um, like <laughs> we were we were just reminiscing about like how long ago did we meet? And we we're not even sure. But yeah. like high school years, um, we, were, we were youngsters, man. I think, uh, yeah, it, it was it, it was high school, maybe like right fresh out of high school. See, I, I don't know, way man. Too long ago, anyway. I remember a high school youth group, so I don't know. It, it oh, yeah, was that's a good point. It was forever ago. We'll we'll put it that long way. Time. Yeah, long time. <laughs> okay, so um, I know the I know the high school college version of you. Yeah, and I know the social media version of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we all know, life, a lot of life happens beyond social media, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for the last 12 years that I haven't gotten to be in your life on a daily basis, a weekly basis and yeah. for Heather as well. And for all of our awesome listeners, tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell us about your spouse, your kids, your job, your hobbies, sure. just what makes up your life. Man, good question. So, yeah, I mean, I so I grew up in the Midwest, um, and that's you know that's how we we know each other is we both grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I'm not there anymore, but I grew up there, um, spent a lot of time there, went to uh, school and church there, and so being kind of a Midwesterner is 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 very much who I am, and uh, and so I started there, and yeah, through church and through youth group is where I met uh, my wife Corey. And she actually, she and I, or she was, so we met in youth group and we were in in high school and she was just the most beautiful girl (laughs) and she had a boyfriend and I was like, not going to go there. Like she's, she has a boyfriend, she's off the market. I wasn't the type of guy to like try to hit on girls who were, (laughs) who were dating somebody. Um, so I always thought she was beautiful, but, um, and she was a great person, but I never, um, I never really got to know her. Um, and so later, later in life, um, uh, my, one of my best friends, Josh Blick and his wife, Robin, were kind of hosting these poker games. Right. Yeah. And so Corey's, Corey's, um, Corey started to come around while, um, one, uh, while her boyfriend was coming around to play poker. <laughs> and so through, through many months of that happening and, and, um, you know, relationships changing, she and I kind of grew together and started dating, and a couple years later, we got married, um, and uh, and yeah, so a couple years later, we had kids, and so now I have, long story short, I have three kids now, I have Abram, who is eight years old, mm-hmm. uh, I have Hazel, who is six years old, and I have Marin, who is two years old, mm-hmm. and uh, just the greatest people ever, <laughs> uh, I've, I've just... I'm so in love with my kids. Um, they really are like my best friends and the people that I want to, you know, spend the most time with. And it's, it's, we're in a unique position to do that because, um, you know, we, we moved away from family about five years ago. So, um, my career kind of led me out to Southern California, um, after kind of doing, uh, doing some career stuff in Illinois, I was just kind of like, Hey, this isn't really going anywhere, like from a career perspective. And I knew that what I was doing was the best way to provide for my family, but I didn't really feel like it was going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I was kind of looking for opportunities career wise to, to, to kind of go further. Right. And, uh, and so I found a job out in Southern California at a place at Oakley, um, the sunglasses company worked there Mm -hmm. for several years. Um, and then most recently, uh, I took a job at Google. And so we moved, uh, from Southern California to Northern California. So four, four, four and a half years ago, we left family and then we kind of like tried to settle down in Orange County and now we're kind of starting over again with the whole friends and church and network sort of thing. Wow. Okay. So I did not know that you're at Google. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty new. So I've only been there for 10 weeks now. In fact, I was telling somebody at work like, Hey, I'm still, still new. I've been here for 10 weeks now, but yeah. So I just joined Google 10 weeks ago. Dude, that is awesome. So my husband is in it sales and everyone thinks that he sells computers for some reason. 
And his favorite line is constantly, hey, man, just Google it. Yeah. Because he's like, I don't fix uh, computers. You know what? Somebody at Google uh, can, uh, corrected me today. I told I told one of my coworkers, I said, we were talking about something. I said, hey, Google it. And he said, no, Google search it. Yes. So, so <laughs> <laughs> internally, it's like taboo to say, I don't know if taboo is the right word, but saying Google it is like not the right way to use the Google the Google name. It's actually Google search it. Google search it. Okay, um, so, I will correct so my I'm dropping IT. knowledge already right here. Nope. Dropping knowledge. <laughs> it's going to be very hard to get an entire world of people to switch from Google it to Google search it. It, it might be, but we can try like one podcast <laughs> at a time, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. Hey, well, they- yeah, I mean, so, so that's kind of where we're at right now is we're just kind of, uh, we're, we're new to, to Northern California. It's a lot different than Southern California, which is a lot different than the Midwest. Yeah. And so a lot of challenges, you know, on a lot of different facets there. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, if you've got a rough it somewhere, you might as well choose California. You might as well, right? Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it worked out. You know, I, I, Southern California was like amazing to me. Yeah. Um, it was really like I felt I felt like it was just it was like a natural it was natural for me. I felt like the vibe was right for me and the kind of culture in Southern California was good for me. And the company I joined was phenomenal. Um, and so really, really thankful for kind of what God has done in my career. It's been, it's like, it blows me away. Like, I can't mm-hmm. believe that I've been blessed to be in these kind of situations. I certainly don't deserve to be. And so, um, that he's kind of put these things in my life. Like I really, there's really no other way to explain it other than this is just like God's, God's hand has been all over this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's very clear. It's very clear. Hmm. You know what? I go back to our high school college years and I I told your wife this when we were we were chatting I said one thing that I always remember about him um you know in our group of friends was what an awesome man of integrity you were like you and and I I can't say that about everyone I hung out with in that season of life but um you were you one I remember that you were so funny um but you just you always had outstanding character and I so appreciated that about you because, um, you know, I was hanging out with you, with my younger brothers and all sorts of church people. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is, this is how guys should act towards, towards women and towards people. And, um, you know, I was in a really strict family and I just thought, man, this is, this is cool to see other guys besides my brothers, like Mm -hmm. trying to have good standards. Mm -hmm. So well done, man. I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised hey, I, at all. That's, that's so kind of you. I really appreciate that. And I'd like, to be honest, I can attribute that to two things. Like, number one, my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what, I don't know. I wouldn't be the man I am today without my parents. And and the reason they are the way that they are is because God really, like, transformed their lives and their, you know, in their college years mm-hmm. and really got a hold of them. And so... Had it not been for my parents, I wouldn't be, you know, the man I am today. And so I, I attribute that all to to my parents and, and, you know, what God first did in their lives, which then, you know, did a work in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, Nate, this is Heather. Hello. Hi. So while you and Heidi were in youth group and college and all of those fun things, I was married and living yeah. in California. Yes. <laughs> I was not on the scene, so I don't know if we've ever actually met face-to-face, but... Yeah, I don't know if we have either. Yeah, but it's nice to meet you over the phone. Over the podcast. (laughs) Yes, that's great. (laughs) Well, hey, you know, we ask all of our guests two very specific questions, um, and it's so fun to hear everyone's different answers, but what do you feel about yourself or your life is ordinary? Sure. Um, So I I think what's ordinary about my life is that I'm really just like a man and a dad and, uh, and a husband, right? Um, I do, I do the nine to five job. It's more like a seven to five job, but, (laughs) uh, I do the, I do the day, the day job, the desk job. I do the commute. Um, I do the sports games with my kids. Uh, I sit on the couch and and watch TV with my wife. Um, I do a lot of things that like most would consider ordinary because they are ordinary. And so, 
Um, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm an average dude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I think everybody can relate to that. You know, that's, that's how we all feel really is just, we're just ordinary people. So on the flip side of that, what do you think is extraordinary about yourself? Sure. Good question. I think, you know, man, I think, uh, so one of the things that I've been reading about, I, uh, I basically, I read that, so this brings, this brings up a good story. So, um, I was, I was on Instagram the other day and, um, there's this pastor called Bill Johnson and he pastors a church called Bethel in yes, Redding, California. We, and we love Bethel. You, we love Bill Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. So Bill has this Instagram and he was talking about the, the, the shooting and the, the school shooting in yeah. Parkland, uh, I believe it was. And basically what he was talking about is, you know, things happen in the world that are bad and we come out with these, like society sort of comes out with these remedies that, uh, make it seem like we're, we're sort of like a part of the fix for the mm. problem. But in reality, like the problem is us. Mm, yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I think he was referring to kind of gun laws and stuff like that. But, uh, I think one of the things that he said there was like the, the pro- some of the problems with us are, um, our fatherhood, like missing fathers and, mm. uh, and kind of broken homes. Right. Yeah. And so I, I guess, I guess I'm not, I, I don't want to lead, like, I don't want to say that I feel like I'm, uh, extraordinary because I haven't like left my family, but, uh, <laughs> I like, I really value that above all things. I really do. Like, it's the most important thing to me to be like faithful and loyal to my wife and it's also the most important thing for me to be the best example of Jesus that I can be to my kids. Mm. And I feel like that's like a fleeting thing these days. And I like, I don't want to be a pessimist and, and think like everybody's failing and, you know, things are going in the wrong direction and sort of that sort of thing. But I think I'm just, I think more than anything, I'm just, I'm proud to like be genuinely about that. You know mm. what I mean? Like I genuinely am about like, being all about being a father and leading, you know, lead, leading, um, being a godly example to them. And so I don't know, maybe that's not as, as extraordinary as mm. maybe the answer you're looking for, but, um, that's kind of like the key thing for me. And I think that like that stuff is like what really matters at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like it's cool to have a job at Google and to tell people I work at Google, but like at the end of the day, at the end of my life or whatever, like that stuff doesn't matter. Like mm. what matters is like, okay, well that's neat. But like, how are you, how, how, how much of a father, what kind of a father were you in light of all that? Right. Mm. What kind of a husband were you in light of like those, you know, you know, quote unquote cool things or what, what a lot of people would see is like a cool thing or whatever. I don't mm. know. Does that, mm. does that make sense? Do you understand where I'm going with that? We're tracking with you so okay. much. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're both over here, like giving the praise hands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I I have to tell you, because this goes right along with a conversation I had this past weekend, we were um, hanging out with some family members and they were just expressing their, um, I would say that they're in their journey of faith and uh, they were expressing kind of their disheartenment over society and the brokenness of the family and the, the lack of fathering and And then the very next morning I was in our church and, um, I got to sit and listen to one of my brother-in-laws preach. And I I was looking around at all of the men surrounding me and all of the fathers and all of the husbands. And I thought, you know what? There is so, so, so much good. There are so many good men in society. And I do think it's easy to go, Man, it seems like doom and gloom because there is a lot of evil and there is a lot of darkness. But Nate, I love hearing you say that so much because it it reiterates what I saw in you all of those years ago that you were a godly man. And I just am so thrilled to see that God is pouring his favor on you. And I'm yeah. not surprised at all that he is because I, <laughs> I I feel like you did. You You set that foundation for him to be able to bless you in that way. And I just, I do think that's extraordinary. And you're right. There are, um, it is extraordinary to be a father who really values that. And as a society, we tend to value the things that are tangible, the things that we can climb the ladder in, the things we can hang, the success we can hang our hat on. Um, But you're right. Being a parent, being a dad, being a parent is such um, a biblical mandate for how we 
how we, this responsibility that we get to raise our kids. And I, man, I just applaud you and say, well done for, for noticing and recognizing that that's really an extraordinary thing about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, um, yeah, it really is. It's the most, it's the most important thing. And like, by no means am I perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I struggle with, it's so funny. Like I see, I see my, uh, you know, my son is eight years old Mm -hmm. and he is like a mirror of me. (laughs) And, uh, and so it's so interesting, like how I parent and like the things that I say to my son is, is like, stuff that I need to hear. <laughs> it's like, God, I feel like God's using parenting moments with my son to teach me something about myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and so like, by no means am, am I perfect. And, you know, by, and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a flawed father, uh, you know, as a, as a human, as a man, you know, um, I, I'm not perfect, but, uh, but yeah, that really is my deepest kind of desire is to, to model, model Jesus to my kids, you know? Yeah. So as you're, as you are striving to honor God in your role as a husband, as a dad, on most days, do you find it easy? Do you find it difficult? (laughs) Um, man, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think it's tough. You know, I don't, I don't think I, I, I don't think I would say I go through each day kind of ho-humming about how tough it is, but, and it's challenging, you know, we live in a world that, um, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of temptations. There's a lot, uh, a lot of things going on that kind of can distract us from, um, the truth. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of lies that are kind of trying to like, um, I don't know, suffocate the truth, you know? And so, and you know, any, everyone deals with that. And so it's, it's difficult, you know? Um, part of that is just like the limited time I have, you know, when I go to work, I, I, you know, I go to work in the morning and I come back and I have this kind of limited amount of time with my family. Right. And yeah. so, you know, I get home at five or five fifteen, and, and, you know, then we go into to dinner mode <laughs> and then we go into, um, and then we go into bed, bedtime mode. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so it feels like, I don't know, it's tough to like, pack all that good stuff into that short amount of time, um, and, uh, and do everything really right. And Mm -hmm. so there's this kind of pressure to, to get it all right in a small amount of time and to kind of be efficient, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so it's, it's, it is tough, you know? Um, and being, you know, same with being a husband, like you, you both, you know, as a, as a spouse and as a father, like you've got these dual, this dual role, right? You've got your relationship with your spouse, and you have your relationship with your kiddos, and those are the two relationships that you need to keep, um, that you want to keep healthy. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I feel a lot of pressure sometimes, but I also have this, um, I have this perfectionist mentality where mm-hmm. if I'm not if I'm not doing it perfect, I'm doing it all wrong. It's kind mm-hmm. of like this black or white thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's a lie that I've kind of been dealing with most of my life. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you know per- anything short short of perfect is not good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I apply that to my fatherhood and to my you know to being a husband a lot and just by default you know and uh, and I kind of need to like let God's kind of grace. Yeah. you know, wash over me a lot and just, you know, understand that I'm human and I make mistakes and that, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough, you know, it's tough, yeah. but, uh, you know, you do your best and you kind of, um, you make, make mistakes, but yeah, I was just talking to a friend today about this very thing of just what God has called us to in whether it just, whether it be in our parenting or our marriage or ministry or our jobs, um, for those of us, cause I'm also a perfectionist and like to do things 110% and yeah. anything yeah. less than that, I feel like is a failure. And, you know, I, I really, and Heidi, I think you can relate to this too. A few years ago, I had to say, Lord, wow, this is a sin. <laughs> like this is not of you. And I needed one repent of it, but then I had to ask the Lord to heal me of it yeah. and just say, take that perfectionism out of me, not excellence. Excellence is different, sure, but take sure. that perfectionism out of me so that I can be fully present and do the things you call me to do and not miss out because everything has to be perfect. And it's been so cool to see God really answer that prayer and do that in my life, which has opened the door for me to be 
so much more available for the work that God has for me. Um, and so I, I can relate to that a hundred percent. It's, and I think a yeah, lot of people that's can. Such a great, that's like a good word for me right there. <laughs> uh, that's good. You know, the difference between like excellence and perfection, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, this, that kind of points me to like how, like, um, I don't know, being, I don't know what it was, but it's just, it just points to the whole grace thing. Like when mm. you can kind of like, uh, rest in your imperfection, knowing that kind of grace covers that. Um, I think that's just so freeing, you know, it's kind of, uh, part of just the freedom that, that Jesus gives us. And so, yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word for me. So thanks for sharing that. That's so good. Okay. So I have a question for you. You have, um, your son is eight, right? Your oldest son. So have your conversations with him started to switch over into like manly man to man conversation? <laughs> so man, so that is a great question. I think, um, so I've certainly been, uh, exploring that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tone has definitely changed, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's no longer a baby. Right. He's <laughs> no, he hasn't been a baby for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think like as a father, um, I've been, uh, change has been hard for me as, as a father when it comes to my kiddos, because the moment you feel like you start to get to know them or the start that you start to like master this parenting thing, uh, they, they change. Right. Yep. And, uh, and they have new needs or new, um, new emotions or new thoughts or new responses and all that kind of stuff. And so it's this constantly changing thing. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I have been, um, I have been aware of like, Hey, now is the time to kind of like change the tone of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I like to be, let's be honest. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly how that's supposed to look. The first place that I look, the first place that I look is like, okay, how did my dad do this with me? And I try to, I try to model a lot of like my parenting after my dad, but also learn from, Hey, what, what did I feel like didn't work with my dad? Like, Mm -hmm. where do I feel like his you know, what fell short in terms of like, you know, where I didn't feel as loved by him or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know. So I'm trying to take like the lessons that I feel like I learned from him in those days. And also just, uh, just digging into the word, digging into like what other people think that I trust and care about, like see what they, what they have to say. But I don't know, I don't know exactly how to tackle that yet, but I know that it's time. And I know that, man, yeah, when I was his age, like stuff started, you know, stuff at school was happening. I was being exposed to things that like no eight year old should be exposed to. And so, and I, you know, I want to make sure that like, like my dad was like roughly unaware of like, like what was happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he didn't really know what was happening at school and what, what eight year olds really knew, you know, yeah. parenting, parents think they know like what their kids know, but, and that it happens at certain ages and stuff. But, you know, the words that they, that they hear at school, um, the, and, and what they mean and, uh, and kind of like what those kind of words and thoughts lead to, um, that's all stuff that, that, that is kind of coming into Abe's world. And so mm-hmm. I don't know, to be honest, I'm a little bit fearful of it. Yeah. Um, uh, it kind of scares me because, because he's there. I felt like I always had time, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'll just get, I'll get ready for when he's old enough to start, you know, dealing with like sin and yeah, like yeah. that kind of thing, you know, as if, as if he only starts when he's eight, but right. I think, you, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. when the world starts to kind of like influence your kid and he's no longer in this kind of bubble of home, um, yeah, challenging yeah. times to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally get that. I remember my first grader, my my oldest. He's preteen now. He's eleven. So, Crazy. like the the conversation has just drastically changed. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. It's really really fun. But you're right. Like the emotional side of it is is so much different than a four year old and their questions. Um, totally. And I'm trying to like, what I'm trying to do is kind of create an environment to where Abe can talk to me about anything. Right. Yes. And, uh, and try to bring up like slowly bring up, um, themes and stuff like that, that, that aren't that like springing it on him when he's 10, 10 years old is right. like weird. You know right. what I mean? Like I want to make sure that he feels comfortable around me to talk to me and to open up to me. That's kind of like what I'm really trying like to do. And, uh, and I don't know, I, I, hopefully, hopefully I'm doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I just remember my first grader coming home and he had been told by someone on the playground to Google 
Google search. <laughs> Google search. Thank you. <laughs> to Google. One podcast at a time. Yes, yes, one yes. One here we go. At a time. <laughs> he had been told to Google search naked girls. He was in yeah. first. He was in first grade, and I mean, it, yeah. for uh, for my husband and myself, you know, we we really liked to think that we didn't have our heads in the sand, but that was such a moment of like, oh my word, you're six yeah. years old, you know, and um. So I have a I have the same story, like. You know, this Abe was going to school, and he, these girls were saying, like, boys suck. Mm-hmm. And they were telling him, you know, that that was just kind of this playground lingo. And she, there may be even a girl had a shirt on that said, boys suck. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, Abe, guess what Abe does when he gets on the phone? He Google searches, you know, <laughs> boys suck. Oh. And, so, and so Corey and I found, you know, found that very quickly, fortunately. Mm-hmm. And, man, we were wrecked. We yeah. were really wrecked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we thought we had this, like, you know, phone control thing down, mm-hmm. and we thought mm-hmm. we had, like, you know, our monitoring system down and stuff like that. And, like, I think that's another thing is, like, it's really easy to slip into stuff that yeah. your kids shouldn't see. And so – and we, we live in a different world now than we did when I was eight years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so – you know, I don't have a model. I don't have, okay, this is what happened to me when I was eight. Right. This is how my father handled it. Like, whole new ball game. Yeah. <laughs> and so I identify with that. And I, I think the biggest thing that, I guess the biggest kind of advice that I would give or whatever is um, kind of the, the thing that I'm trying to take away is when I was a kid, my parents prayed for me relentlessly. Mm. They really did. And like, they did it in person and they did it in on their own. And as I got older, like I didn't know it at the time and I didn't really see the effects of it at the time, but some of the events that I, you know, some of the relationships that I had, some of the events that or the, you know, things that had happened to me or, or around me or whatever. Um, I was so like, I was so protected, um, through prayer, um, and really avoided some like big, big things that could have gone like pretty wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And could have like changed the trajectory of my life. And I feel like my parents, you know, sitting at home praying for me, um, really made this massive difference in my life. And I can point to specific, you know, situations where mm-hmm. it's just like guaranteed that God had everything to do with what happened in that moment, because, you know, I don't know. I, so I think that's kind of what I default to right now is yes. like, you know, you can't control everything that happens in, in life, and but but you can control how much you pray about it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and I think just kind of trusting that God's got His hand on that, and that you know uh, He sees everything, and 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 that's the kind of thing that I try to like rest in. You know what I mean? Oh man, Nate, that is such a good word. I feel like there are a whole bunch of parents that need to push pause right now and just write down that wisdom that you shared. Yes, and I mean really truly apply that prayer to your, their kids' lives. And can we yeah. just say, like, not just canned prayers, right. not just pray before bedtime and pray the, the canned prayers, but, like, pray, ask God for specific words for your children because yeah. your kids need specific words prayed over them in different yeah. seasons of their life. And ask God to give you something for that child. You know, there's a prayer that I've been praying over my daughter since she was a baby. She was a really tough baby. And I knew that she just was had this will that was going to, she was going to do amazing things within her life if God got a hold of her. And, yeah. uh, and so I started praying in, into her, God give her a, um, a strong conviction and a tender spirit, yeah. you know, and those two things together. And I prayed that over her for eight years and I can, That's see, awesome. I can see it coming to life in her life now as an eight-year-old. So as a parent, you know, maybe maybe you're nervous about praying over your kids, but just ask the Lord, Lord, give me one word to pray over them and then pray that out loud so they can hear it because they will become what you pray over them. Absolutely. That's awesome. It reminds me of this book that I read a long time ago. It was by this author called Graham Cook, and he wrote this, he wrote these like series of mini books, and one of them is called Crafted Prayer. Mm. And it talked about crafting prayers, and I don't remember, like I remember the big themes, but not not the, the details, but you kind of pointed to that, like, look, you know what, you, you know, you have this pretty good idea about what's going on in your son's or daughter's lives, mm. and you can really like start to put some detail around the prayers that, that kind of cover those things right Mm. and uh you know i 
you know, being, especially like as a, like as a, as a man who was a boy at one time, like, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it feels a lot easier for me to pray for Abe than it does for me, for my daughters, for example, because mm-hmm. like I did the boyhood thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've gotten really specific and also like visualizing stuff. Like I think about when seeds of good and seeds of bad are planted, right? Mm. And how those seeds, like, come to become plants, like what they need and that sort of thing, right? They need water, they need sunlight, whatever. And I I kind of pray, like, I can visualize those things in my mind, and when a bad seed is planted, you could kind of pray that, hey, like, God, I just pray that this this bad seed won't get the light that it needs, Mm. that it doesn't get further exposure to sunlight, and that the water is just, like suffocated away from the seed so that really just dies you know what I mean like you can kind of like visualize those sort of things Mm. that really helps me when it comes to praying is when I can visualize things and and how things I don't know when you can symbolize and visualize that seems to help me when it comes to kind of crafting I don't know uh meaningful prayers I guess and ones that don't feel as canned yeah that's so good so can I ask you this question if you're so intentional about praying for your children translate that into then praying with or for your wife because honestly we get um as people who lead a church and as someone who's been in ministry for a really long time one of the number one things i get from women is my husband doesn't pray for me Hmm. or my husband doesn't pray with me so first of all i guess my first part of the question would be how and do you pray with or for Corey? and then secondly what would you say to men who maybe are nervous about that or want to want to do that but don't know how to? So great questions. Um, I think I'll be totally honest. I think Corey and I, I pray for, for Corey more often than I pray with her. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's probably common for a lot of men. But yeah. um, Corey, so Corey... Um, Corey has like, you know, Heidi, you you kind of pointed to it earlier. Like she does not want to be on a podcast because (laughs) there's this kind of spotlight thing about her, right? She doesn't like to be the center of attention. There's this kind of like pressure thing that comes along with it. And she just kind of like self, like self implodes almost like (laughs) that sounds, that sounds bad, but I I guess what I'm saying is, is like, like she's kind of had some experiences growing up where she feels like. Um, praying out loud is a challenge for her, yeah. right? And uh, and so getting really specific and really detailed and kind of getting away from herself and into the Lord has been a challenge. And so, I don't know, I think we've kind of struggled with that a little bit into mm-hmm. creating like a really meaningful like prayer life together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, we, and we do, like, that's not to say that we don't pray together. I just think that we have work to do there mm-hmm. um, to kind of make that more meaningful. And so, but I do pray for her a lot, like yeah. um, specific stuff, like sp- stuff that's really specific to her as a woman um, in her relationship with the Lord and her relationship with others. I pray for her as a mother and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that she you know, take away the good things that she learned um, from her mother and, and, and recognize the bad things that she took away and that she would, you know, that new life would kind of be breathed into her mm-hmm. as a mother for the kids as, as it's very exhausting to be a full-time mom, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. But um, I guess if I'm going to give, like, advice to, to men or women, I think, like, overcome the uncomfortableness. Like, mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah. Who cares? It's your, it's your spouse. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, you guys should be able to be comfortable doing anything. And people come, like, I think the the thing is, is that, like, as people, we come from different places, right? Mm-hmm. And Corey comes from a different place than I do. We grew up different. We learn different. Yeah. And so we have these different expectations and experiences that lead us to kind of where we are. And so a lot of that stuff just creeps into marriage, and uh, and you have to deal with it. But... I think, um, I don't know, prayer is such an important part of life. And, you know, we already talked about the impact that it had, mm-hmm. you know, in my life with my parents praying for me. And so I think, I think my message would be to overcome that, you know, as a man overcome, you know, really like lead your, lead your spouse, lead your wife and, and kind of try to overcome that and, and go at it with a genuine heart and, and, a, and a desire to understand and, and be, you know, empathetic to her, um, in a way that's kind of leading, leading you guys in the right direction. That's, that's so good. I, I echo everything that you said. Yeah. It's, it really is, um, 
less about the actual amount of time spent praying, I believe, together as a married couple. And it's, it's, it's a communication with each other and saying like, Hey, I am praying this over you yeah. and tell, yeah. you know, as a wife, if my husband says, I am praying success over you in this area of your life, or I'm praying, you know, patience over you today with the kids as you teach them school or whatever, even if he just tells me that he's praying that, like that counts yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, and that, that has been, Chris and I have been married for 18 years and I would say within the last five years, we've begun to really encounter a lot of spiritual warfare, Mm -hmm. specifically during the nighttime hours, um, in our bedroom. And we've had to do, we've had to go to battle. And I know, you know, for some listeners, you might not understand what that means and that's okay. Um, you can always message us and we'll, we can (laughs) fill you in more on that, but just, just, we've had to learn to come to the place where we were okay and comfortable with praying out loud Mm -hmm. in front of one another without any, like, what's he going to think of me? Is he going to think I'm strange? Is he going to think, you know, and the intimacy that it has brought because we've just dropped those walls with each other has been phenomenal. And so I would just echo what you said, like, let that, let those insecurities go. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's awesome. I mean, this, this is super, that's, that's an encouraging word from, for me too. So thank you so much for listening today. We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the H&H Hour. We would like to thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Beauty Counter and consultant Rosie Boone. Beauty Counter is a skincare and cosmetic company who is disrupting the beauty industry through legislative change. Their social mission is to put safe products into the hands of everyone, built on the belief that products can be beautiful, effective, and safe. Beauty Counter offers skin and body care, sunscreen, a kids collection, and a cosmetic line. You can find out more information at beautycounter.com forward slash Rosalie Boone. So let's let's chat about Corey just a minute longer. What what's your ideal date night with Corey? <laughs> Good question. We it's funny because uh, Mary and Jess, Corey's mother and sister, came to town a few weeks ago. It was like the first weekend we'd moved into our new place here in Mountain View, um, and uh, they came to visit and they helped us unpack. And one night the kids went to bed and uh, and. Corey and I were able to go to Target together. Yes. <laughs> have you guys have you guys ever heard of Target? I don't know. A lot of women don't know about it, but Target. <laughs> Let me Google search that. <laughs> Google searching, yes. <laughs> uh, but but so we went to Target together and I'll be I'll be honest, like ideal date right now is like any any time alone. Yeah. Like any time alone, like, and not, not just alone in the house because it's, it's different when you can like go somewhere yeah. and we don't have that, you know, like I hinted at, um, I hinted, I hinted at us kind of moving away a few years ago. So we, we moved in 2013 mm-hmm. and, uh, and so here we are 2018. And since then we haven't really had this kind of like we haven't had a family support system or even a friend support system to some degree. Like over time we were able to build, build friendships, but it didn't come quickly. And I think it's just really tough to build new friendships when you, uh, when you're adults with children, right. Or parents with children and uh, in a new area and everything. And so, um, so we finally got around to like, you know, figuring out a way to, um, to get a babysitter. And we had some friends that we were able to, you know, swap with and stuff like that. And, uh, and so, and that happened a little bit early on. Long story short is we haven't had like a whole lot of dating time together over the last several years. And that's just like, so now when we're able to go to target for like 45 minutes to pick up some like milk, it's like the greatest thing on earth. We were like, okay, what can we talk about? What can we do? This is amazing. And, uh, and so, uh, but as far as the ideal, like my ideal, my ideal date with her is going out to a restaurant and just like having time where I can just focus on her and listen. I like to listen to her Mm, and, uh, and really just kind of like sit across from the table from her and look at her and watch her (laughs) and, uh, and listen, you know, um, just like meaningful conversation is really important to me and we don't get it suffocated by our children. Yes. (laughs) Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but once or twice, um, sometimes, 
<laughs> sometimes, sometimes we uh, start a conversation and it gets cut off by a child. Has that yes. ever happened to you before? Occasionally. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Um, the beach or a restaurant where we can just spend time together talking together. Really simple, but like meaningful is the kind of date that I really like. Okay. So all of the women on all of podcast world are melting right now. Did I make it? Did I did I tell the right answer? That was so good. That's that's really good. I think I think Corey's gonna like the answer. Um, Okay, good. I hope so. So you have a pretty good sense of humor, Nate. Um, Ah, you're being kind. Does Corey think you're funny? You know what, Corey? Sometimes Corey thinks I'm funny, but the truth is, is that Corey is the funnier one. She is. Yeah, she does have a great sense of humor, as I recall. Her sense of humor is ridiculous. It's crazy. I love it. I think, um, you know, we, we actually, I love, like, I think we can make a good combination when it comes to humor. Um, a lot of times I'm silly and I take after my dad. It's so funny because lately Corey's been saying like, you totally, you're, you totally do that. Your dad totally does that. And, and he always makes these kind of like over the top, silly, like takes it way too far sort of like joke where it's like okay dad we get it you did the joke like 10 minutes ago it's still not over and so uh but yeah we have a lot of fun here you know we had a lot of fun together and our kids are hilarious too so I feel like like the humor level around our place is generally pretty healthy that's awesome I feel like more people need to adopt that mentality like humor is good fun is good I I like to keep it light you know I think that I don't know. There's, there's, yeah, I like to keep it light and friendly and fun. And, uh, and so I just, I don't know what, what about that is. I don't know if it's, yeah, that's just how I do life. You know, I think that's a great approach. It's, uh, everyone loves to laugh. Just Mm -hmm. not everyone is willing to like loosen up and, you know, look, look funny in front of people Mm -hmm. and, you know, just, yeah, that's, I have I don't have any shame. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is like do really shameful things when Corey's around in public. <laughs> Give us an example. So, like, like what? Like, example, like tripping and falling in, a, in Target, for example. <laughs> you guys have heard of Target, right? It's yes. like the store. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so falling at Target or like, uh, you know, jumping into like a box of like giant teddy bears or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that I like to do when Corey's around so that she's like really embarrassed to be around me. And I have like, I don't have any shame. Like I, I'm good to embarrass myself if it's just to make, you know, make her laugh or something like that. It's, it's fun to That's do. so awesome. My husband always says to my kids, if I can make your mom laugh, it's a good day. Yes. It is. It's absolutely true. Yes. That's so good. That's so fun. So tell us, just we're getting ready to wrap up here. What is some advice that you would now, looking back on your life, what would you give to your 20-year-old self? That was a, That's a tough one, man. I think, uh, I think, great question. I think if anything, like, the, I probably would have tried to, like, man, this is almost turning into, like, what I regret about being in my 20s versus <laughs> if I could tell, if I could tell, tell my 20s anything. I'd probably say, like, Hey, pay more attention to what like your, your parents are doing and like the Mm -hmm. input that they're giving you, like, because it's going to come in really valuable in like eight years. Right. Um, so that kind of parenting aspect, you know, I think, you know, I'm running into so many things where it's just like, dude, what do you, what, what do I do? And you know, when, when, when Hazel just like drops down onto the floor whining over like the simplest thing, like, Mm -hmm. what do I do when that's like a habit? You know what I mean? And so like, I don't know, probably, that's probably one of the things, like, hey, like, really, like, look at, look at model kind of parents around you, because you're going to be a parent one day, and, and really look at what's working, what's not working, and why that is, and, and that's probably one thing, um, that's, I don't know, man, that's probably one of the best things, I think, if anything else, I think one of the things that I wish I would have, like, developed earlier on is, like, more habitual, like getting into a habit of really dedicated time with the Lord. That's Mm -hmm. like consistent. Mm -hmm. I think now in life, and maybe this is, maybe this is how it is a lot, but now in life, it's very like, it's like in the car, in the morning, at Mm -hmm. night while I'm working out, like I'm getting these like haphazard quiet times Mm -hmm. and it's not like this regular thing. And I think a, a lot of that is, is for, 
a lot of that is because of myself and like the habits that I built when I was a kid, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or when I was a young, young, young guy. Mm-hmm. And now it's really, you know, when you're 30, I'm 36 now. And so when you're 36, you've got habits and it's really tough to break habits yeah. when you're, when you're, you know, almost halfway through your life. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know. My dad really modeled this morning routine where he'd get up early He'd spend time in the Word and spend time praying. Oh, <laughs> he's one of the best probably, men. Probably one thing that I would say too. That's so good. That's so good. I think I think Nate, if if people would just truly listen to what you the advice you've just given and apply it, generations will change. You know, because yeah. it's it's so impactful for children to see their parents loving Jesus and devoting their life to Him, and then emulating that as children. I mean, I think it's yeah. just so, so powerful. So before we let you go, what, I mean, you've been super honest here. What, what does quiet time for you with Jesus look like? I think, you know, we as Christ followers can throw that out there and be like, hey, you know, spend time with God. And those that are a little bit behind us on their faith journey go, okay, but what does that even mean? So sure. I think, especially for you as a man, I think sometimes we women talk about this a lot, but for you as a man, what does it look like for you to spend time with Jesus and, and pursue the Lord? Great question. So I think uh, I've thought a lot about that. And just over the time, like, is my quiet time meaningful? Is Am I doing it right, God? Yeah. And I really don't think there's one right way mm-hmm. to, to have a quiet time. Yeah. I think it, it, it probably looks different for everybody. And people, you know, feel connected to the Lord in different ways. I think mm-hmm. for me, worship is a big deal. Yeah. Like a lot of times my quiet time looks like just like, like genuinely singing and kind of worshiping and really like focusing on the, the, the words that I'm saying and what they mean and what the message is and kind of directing it towards the Lord and in the best way that I know how, you know yeah. what I mean? But my pastor, my old pastor, um, Rick Warren, uh, of Saddleback church, that's where we went in Southern California. Yeah. He, he always used to say like, God, the best way that I know how do this, right? Mm. And uh, or like enable me to do this in the best way that I know how. You know, like I always felt like I was, um, I was. Uh, w- it would be counted against me if I w- if I was doing something that I didn't know how to do it right, right? Mm. Oh, wow. And I just don't think that exists. There was mm-hmm. this. Uh, there's another book by like Charles Swindle or something called Start Where You Are. Yeah. And uh, and I that. Like I didn't read the whole book, but I remember the title and that title holds a lot of meaning. And so I think just like there's basic tenets, there's basic tenets of quiet time is spend time praying and spend time reading the word. And, uh, and I think worship is another side of that, especially for me. And so that's typically what it looks like. I think the the most important thing is to be quiet, like, you know, like be in a quiet place as best as you can. And, and really be fo- be focused on the quiet time, right? And kind of like eliminate distractions, focus in on what you're reading and try to reflect on those things and then turn those things into prayers. Mm. And and then you can kind of pull in what's going on in your life and your circumstances and, and, and try to kind of, you know, talk to the Lord about it. I always thought it was more of a conversation than it was like just kind of like spilling my guts and, mm-hmm. and saying, God, what do you think about this? Or what do you want to say to me about that? And really just saying those literal words. Yeah. And, uh, and so I don't know, that was kind of all over the place, but no, I so think good. those are kind of, that's kind of, I don't know, explains a little bit about what my quiet time looks like. It's not very rigid. Yeah. Um, and it's at different times of the day and it's not every, like, it's not every day that I get like specific quiet time. I'm yeah. definitely praying daily, yeah. but it's not, it's not like, Hey, 30 minutes every day, 45 right. minutes every day at yeah. this time. It's not a regular thing like that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's what's been, that's kind of where I've been at in my life for the last several years. And I feel like, uh, I feel like it's, it's, it's working and you can always do better, man. I would love to spend more and more time with Jesus over time. And, um, that's, I don't know. that's so good. And I think that my, we, my husband and I have this conversation a lot because we have people ask it a lot. And it's really take stock of the time that you do have and look at that time and say, okay, where do I have, you know, my husband drives 35 minutes to work every day. And so he started to realize I have this valuable time in the car. That's, that's my quiet time. Yeah. And he totally. said, when I started to take advantage of that and view it that way, it totally changed how he drove to work every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. You know, That's awesome. I did the same thing. You know? Yeah. I did the whole three-way, you know, 
the freeway commute and I did the same thing. I realized like, hey, I'm in the car for 40 minutes. I'm just sitting here. Yeah. Let's turn on some worship music. Let's sing. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's pray and kind of speak out loud. And so a yeah. lot of times probably people thought I looked funny because I was talking to nobody, but yeah. I wasn't talking to nobody. Yep, that's right. Yep, that's, so. And it's, it's really true for all of us. We all have something, you know, it can be, you can be a mom, you can be folding laundry and that can be your quiet time. It doesn't yeah. have to, I love that you said it, it's not, doesn't have to be rigid. It shouldn't yeah. be rigid. Yeah. And yeah. you can really commune with God, um, in any part of your day when you, if you choose to. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's, um, I think that's great. Well, and I think if we look at it the way Jesus intended it is that it reflects the relationship between a husband and a wife, between Jesus and his church. Man, if you were rigid with Corey all the time yeah, and you never had any spontaneity, you never had any fun, you know, you yeah. didn't enjoy being with her. She would not like you very much. <laughs> she wouldn't. She wouldn't feel loved by me. She wouldn't want to spend any time with me. Right. Um, yeah. I think I. I love that. I love that kind of that uh, metaphor or that that's you know symbolism there, and it's totally right. So yeah. I, I don't know. I used to think God was very rigid, and the more I realized that He was, uh, man, He was totally in love with me, and was really <laughs> just like dying for for quiet time with me, and and loved every moment of it. Like when I kind of tr- started to understand his love for me, mm, yeah. um, it really changed my perspective on stuff. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, you, Nate, we're, we're up at an hour and I can't believe it, but it's <laughs> been, it's been so much fun to reconnect with you. Um, you've shared so many just nuggets of wisdom, so much gold. Um, if some of our listeners maybe are listening and they just go, wow, I can so relate to what he said. Do you mind if our listeners find you on social media? Oh man, I would love that. I think if uh, you know if I say anything that resonates with you and uh, and you want to talk about it, hit me up. Um, you can find me on Instagram. You can email me. Um, I'm pretty findable on on the internet. Um, just do a Google search for. <laughs> uh, yeah, just look. Yeah, I would love to connect with anybody who feels like what I said resonated with them. So yeah, send them my way. Awesome. And you also have to know it's not just girls that listen to this podcast. So, yeah. you know, there's a, we've got a lot of really faithful guy listeners. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to connect with anybody. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. All right. Well, Nate, thank you so much for being our guest. We will look so forward to all of our listeners getting to hear all of this incredible wisdom. So Man, what a great time to catch up. I appreciate it. It was fun to chat with you guys and, uh, and thank you so much for having me. All right. Tell your family we said hello. Okay. Likewise. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. See ya. Heidi, that was such an incredible conversation with Nate. Yeah. I just, I think it's so unique, Heather, how God writes these stories. I mean, really, this is his idea. We keep saying that, but I just remember having that conversation with his wife over Instagram and it's, it wasn't, you know, it's not like we go way back or that we've been communicating a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I just commented on her kids or something. And then we ended up in this, this dialogue and mm-hmm. she mentioned, Hey, you should interview Nate. And I felt like it was like the Lord went, yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I felt like it was really his idea. And mm-hmm. so I just, yeah, you going way back to having known him in high school and then seeing the man of God he is today mm-hmm. and the way he's leading his family, it just, it reiterates how important it is to re- surround yourself with the right people. Yes, that's right. To hang with the right people, even when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. Yes. Because um, I remember as a young adult realizing mm-hmm. that he was set apart, mm-hmm. that his his parents were super influential, that they were very godly. And obviously I came from a, a godly home as well, so I, I was able to recognize that. But just seeing the fact that he is modeling the fruits that his parents taught him about Jesus and character and, and life in Christ makes me step back and go, man, I really am proud to see men of God leading in the way Mm -hmm. that he is leading his Mm -hmm. family. That's so good. And it makes me think of something that I listened to just this week when you talked about surrounding yourself with people who point you to Jesus. And I was listening to um, Passion City Church podcast, which is just incredible if you want an uplifting sermon to listen to every week, hop onto their podcast. But the message was entitled, Who's in Your Crew? Yeah. And it's from February 28th. You can find it on their podcast. It was incredible because it talked about 
who it just talked about that very thing. Who are you surrounding yourself with? And, you know, are they people that are pointing you away from Jesus or pointing you to Jesus? And that's so important for every single one of us, for our kids. Yeah. People often talk about, we homeschool our kids. And so they, they ask us, well, you know, um, do they have a social life? And mm. yeah, they absolutely do. But <laughs> when they're little, guess what? I want to choose who their friends are. Yeah. And I get to, and as they get older, because we've chosen wisely for them, you know, my prayer is that they will choose wisely too and choosing their friendships and who, because friends speak into your life, speak things into your life, yeah, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. And, um, you know, you take that in. And so at some point you have to decide, wow, who is speaking into my life? Who am I listening to? Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I feel like there's so much power in it. Um, just really excited to see what you pick up. And if you'd like to send us your feedback on what really spoke to you, what resonated, um, you can do so. You can reach us on Instagram at the H&H Hour. You can find us on Facebook, the H&H Hour. You also can reach out to Nate if you'd like. He'll be tagged in this episode. And um, as always, Heather and I really do pray for our listeners um, very consistently. And those of you that have messaged us about your lives and what you're walking through, we are praying you through those things. So... Um, Let us know if we can be there for you in any way, and we will chat with you next time. 